0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, well, I can't pronounce his first name. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben. I mean.
0: So for this episode, we have a special guest. Her most recent record is called Flew the Nest. Please welcome to the podcast, Haley Sabella.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How are you? Oh, I'm uh, warm, sitting in my third floor apartment in July. How are you? <laughs> uh,
0: we're we're good. I had a little little scare this morning. My AC unit um, felt like it wasn't throwing out cold air. Oh and no! S- yeah, and so I I reset it, and luckily luckily I can feel the the, the cold air on me right now. But uh, I, that scared the crap out of me because. <laughs> I'm I'm down here in Florida and it's been, you know, 95 plus every day for the last several weeks and uh, not having an AC is, that's really bad.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Florida, I feel like it's like mandatory. Like you can, I'm in Massachusetts, so I can kind of get away with not having an AC, you know, just grit and bear it for, you know, four weeks of the year. Right. But But, you know, yeah, nothing's worse than trying to run out to Home Depot for an AC and they've sold out.
0: Ab- oh, yeah. Abso- absolutely, <laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's been, you know it's been twenty five years since I lived in in Washington, Wayne. But um, do you have do you have an AC unit?
1: Just in my room,
0: just if in the room. A window unit. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I was talking to my mom who still lives in Washington, and and um, you know she lives out in the middle of of nowhere, Washington. And she was talking about how hot it was and how she had to keep the windows open and all the flies were getting in. And I'm like, why don't you just turn on your AC? And she's like, I don't have an AC unit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, it's just such a a way of life down here in Florida. Like, I couldn't imagine not having an AC unit. So
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's as vital as heat is in New England.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> I feel I feel like I am an old person talking about weather and AC. Unit, so
2: <laughs> I started it. So what does that uh, say about me? <laughs> yeah,
0: we're we're all just yeah we're in that space. All right. Well, the premise of our podcast is simple: we talk about music uh, besides air conditioning units. Um, so at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all important question. So uh, let's start with Wayne. What t shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a
1: My Chemical Romance, uh, The Black Parade.
0: Very good. It's a uh, celebrated uh, anniversary this week? Is that or last week? 10 years? 20 years? What is it? Oh, it's like 18 years. I don't know. I, I I I follow a couple of people who are who are my chemical romance fans and they were posting something about it on Twitter and I'm like, I don't care. Anyway, I don't care. Huh. Anyways, wow. 18 I don't, years gosh. I think it was. That is wow. Does that make you feel old?
1: Yeah, that just makes, I just can't believe it's been that long.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, my chemical romance was huge when I was in high school.
0: There, there sure. you go. Well, there, there, yeah. All right. Uh, how about you, Haley? What, what t-shirt are you wearing?
2: So I am wearing a Her Crooked Heart t-shirt. Um, it's a band who's also a friend of mine, Rachel Reese. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. It's her band t-shirt.
0: I'm not, I'm not familiar. New England band?
2: Uh, she's actually based in Minneapolis. Okay. All yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. We've had we've had a few Minneapolis guests on the, on the podcast. So, very cool.
3: Yeah.
0: Um and uh, I should have worn my new shirt, Wayne. I guess I'll have to wear that for next episode. I wore it yesterday. So, it was dirty, but um <laughs> I'm wearing one of my Bowie shirts. There you so. nice. I can never go wrong with the Bowie shirts. So, Nope. All right. Uh, well, Haley, I, so I read your bio and I've, I've, uh, I have to ask you about the line in your bio that talks about you being a daughter of musicians and missionaries. So, um, to so, so give me some background of, of who Haley Sabella is.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a good place to start. Um, so my parents, they, um, they got married and lived in Guatemala for 10 years um, in the 80s, um, and they were missionaries there, um, more like school teachers. That's their their teachers, so they were working in a school um, teaching. So
0: doing like English second language type stuff? or
2: And music as well, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so definitely Central America is a big part of our um, sort of knit into the fabric of our family. Uh, My older siblings were born there and, um, and then they moved back to the States and bought a house in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is where I am right now. Um, And um, they rented the house out uh, for five years and we all moved in and lived in Nicaragua for five years. And um, in Nicaragua, they weren't missionaries. They were just teaching at an American school there. Uh, Yeah. My, my dad taught uh seven through twelve high school music and my mom taught K through six. So um yeah just kinda we're the music department at, at an American school there.
0: Gotcha. So so with it being when you said musicians and missionaries, so was it worship music? Was it popular music? I mean what what kind of music were you were you growing up with?
2: I definitely grew up with a lot of uh worshipy Christian music music okay. um my parents had like when they lived in guatemala they had a band called cordero which means lamb you can see the, the christian symbolism sure. in there. sure absolutely and they actually have some really beautiful songs in spanish and they kind of toured around central america for a while and had a band and um so that was their like kind of what they did in terms of being in a professional band growing up it was a lot of i definitely you know had a guitar and and there were all these chord sheets all over the house for church songs. So, you know that was definitely an easy way to pick up the instrument um, and sort of learn how to change my fingerings and on these simple songs that were very singable. And yeah, I mean a lot of the popular music. My dad is is kind of like a catalog for all popular music from the sixties through the seventies. Like he can tell you what. Like he has memorized what songs were in which ranking on the chart. <laughs> he's pretty. Right. He's pretty. Uh, but then he kind of found Jesus and switched gears and uh, sort of lost touch with popular culture, especially while living in in Guatemala in the eighties. So he he's now kind of like falling in love with bands from the eighties that he never heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you're a little late to the game, but
0: right. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, Dad Duran Duran is no longer popular.
1: <laughs> nope, nope.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wham broke up. Yeah, uh, a couple different times. Um, so so do your siblings do music as well?
2: Um, all of my brothers, I have three brothers. All of them are musical. Um, and one brother plays guitar very well, and uh, he like kind of learns cover songs. Um, my younger brother is more of a, we kind of all took roles in my family. Um, like my older brother is the academic. And then I've got two younger brothers, and uh, one of them's like the writer who stays up all night writing fiction. Um, and okay. he writes songs as well occasionally, but it's more like a side hobby. And then my youngest brother, the only thing he was really left with was sports, even though he's smart and athletic. But he was the most athletic of all of us, so he got stuck with sports.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, I listened to your record, uh, Flew the Nest. So this is record number what for you?
2: Um, it is record number th- – uh, I have a- one AP and three full legs. Okay. Yeah. Record number four.
0: Gotcha. Yep. So the song, It Was There, seems to be a song about discovering that you have strength. Mm. Um, you've got the, the, the message of, uh, uh, I don't thank you at all. Why would I thank you for my strength? That was there inside me all along. Great, great message. Ooh, um, thank you. where, where's the, wh- what's the Genesis to, to tell me about the Genesis of that song?
2: Yeah. So I actually was part of a, a songwriting group where we all committed to writing a song a day for the month of August in 2018. And, um, and that song came to me almost more as like a, um, an experiment with writing. I feel like it, I had been sort of worn down, so I was more open to writing songs from any perspective. Um, and this one came to me throughout that process. And I, uh, I suppose I've, I think we all have um, had experiences in relationships where you lose yourself a little bit. And you kind of get co-opted by other people's needs and wants, and, and it's hard to prioritize your own well-being and your own um, health and desires. Um, and so this is a song about sort of finding necessary separation in an unhealthy dynamic and discovering that you're stronger than you thought you were um, mm-hmm. when, when you need to kind of rely on yourself to get out of bad situations
0: and don't we need that right now oh my gosh (laughs) right (laughs) great great message yeah great message for for now So, so with uh, that writing exercise, so how many of those those songs that you ended up writing for that month found the found their way onto one of your records?
2: Um, Sorrow, joy was the other song that okay. I wrote during that month, um, and a couple other songs that I s- still live on in different iterations. But those are the two that made it onto flew the nest,
0: right? Now, Wayne, we we just did a uh, episode about Guided by Voices. You know, if that this was Robert Pollard, <laughs> all all of those songs would have found their way onto a yeah. record.
1: There uh, <laughs> Twenty one songs on this record.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Haley, familiar at all with Guided by Voices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robert, Robert Pollard is just, I mean, he's a savant when it comes to to music writing and. He puts out what, like, four or five records a uh, a year. It seems like Wayne.
3: Wow. Yeah, it's
0: it's just nuts. Um, all right. Well, back back to Haley. Uh, so so tell me about the title track, "Flew the Nest." Uh, Is that you on the harmonies, or did you did you have other, uh, female vocalists helping you with the harmonies on that one?
2: Um, I did some of the harmonies, but actually it's by um, pedal steel player, Danny, who's and his voice and my voice have this creepy way of blending in that song to the point where you I it was hard for us to distinguish whose voice was whose (laughs) Um, once you isolate the tracks, you can hear it. But in context, it really sounds like I'm harmonizing with myself, (laughs) which I think what you just said illustrates that perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the line of uh, another brother flew the nest. So, so w- what's the what's the story behind that lyric?
2: Um, well, I mean, the sort of sanitized version of this story is that, in a lot of ways, the images of the song kind of came to me without me really fully understanding what it all meant. Um, but it, it's funny you ask about that line in particular. Um, I was actually going to sing at a funeral the next day after writing that song. Hmm. Um, And it was uh, a family that I worked for that are also really close. They lost a son. Um, And so that line in particular, I feel like was inspired by uh, the loss of, of a loved one.
0: Very, very, uh, very sad.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, if you're gonna, ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I usually sanitize that story a little bit because it's a little yeah. intense. But we we are talking about Carrie and Lowell, which is a song all about death. So maybe we're right. just priming our listeners for some good old <laughs> fashioned. Let's talk about the end of living.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so you also did a video for that song, and it says that it's starring Christian Sabella. So I'm I'm assuming relative of some sort.
3: Yeah,
2: that's my brother, Christian, the writer.
0: All right. Very good. Very yeah. good. Um, I, I will admit, so you have a lyric in there talking about turn, turn the page. Mm, yeah. I may or may not have listened to Bob Seger after watching your video.
3: Oh, cool. Cool.
0: So I get in these, these wormholes, and I feel like the older I get, the more adult ADD I, I get. Mm. <laughs> Anyone else have that issue, or is it just me? Wayne? it's just you okay I
2: all think right. I've stayed the same level of ADD I don't think it's really changed since I was probably about five years old
0: oh I'll I'll, I'll tell you about another uh, wormhole I got into after listening to to, to the record that we're going to talk about so anyways a different kind of fire. I used to hate the sand
3: for all it's moving. it hurt to feel swirling all
0: All right. Last, last question on your, on your, uh, record. So, uh, July rain, you all did a quarantine version video for that. That was really cool.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: so, um, so I'm, I'm assuming, so we're recording this in July. I'm assuming it's raining up there in your neck of the woods.
2: It We've had some good storms and I've, I've always, um, uh, that song, I'm glad to have an anthem for that moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we've had our typical summer rains down here in in uh, in Florida. I keep bringing this up, Wayne, on on our episodes, but my lawn looks really great right now. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, that's what I've been doing with my quarantine is uh, is landscaping. Um,
2: I love landscaping.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the video really adds some additional beauty and some some ache to that song because. Uh, I feel like, well, I mean, we can celebrate the, the rain as it applies to making our grass grow, but there's also a little bit of a, I don't know, a sadness that comes along with, with rain, rainy days, right? Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the song, I, when it is really hot and you can feel the pressure building and like, I don't occasionally when there's a really intense clash of like a hot system and a cold system, I get really irritable throughout that day, especially since it's usually really still and humid. And then all of a sudden you feel the wind start to pick up and you get this gust of cold air and the clouds start forming above you. And, and then it just like, it's like the sky just like rings out all of the humidity that's been like collecting on your skin all day long. Um, and it just sort of cleans the air and and a lot of times the next morning it's like a fresh start you get like kind of like a drier climate system in and and it i don't know it's it feels like catharsis you know it feels like when you release like as as if the sky is crying you know and you afterwards you feel so much better cuz you've let let go of that extra weight
0: I like that that's great great analogy yeah
2: thanks and i think it was appropriate for it's just we're in such a state of mourning, I think, as a nation. Um so it's I I feel like that song being separated from the musicians who I was supposed to, you know, play with in my band for our C D release show and
3: yeah.
2: all that. It was nice to be able to sort of reach into each other's hearts from our respective living rooms and, and feel connected through that you song.
0: You plan you plan on doing some some tour dates to back this before all this happened?
2: Yeah. 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 Of course, yeah. yeah. It's a new record. I was I was probably going to be on the road most of the summer. Bummer. Yeah.
0: Are you doing any uh, live uh, events on Facebook or Instagram?
2: Um, I have been, yeah. Um, I have one coming up. Um, I don't know if it's within the bounds of the podcast release, but been doing a few of them here and there. Um, I did them quite a bit when COVID first hit, just because it was. I had to kind of replace the the tour dates that were booked. Yeah. Um, and then I've taken a little break because I. I moved for the third time during quarantine. <laughs> so I just needed a little respite from broadcasting. Um, sure. and then, uh, three times. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. You it was, poor thing. It was a
2: lot, but we finally settled into a, a space that feels really, really good. So good. yeah, good. looking forward to settling down.
0: Excellent. Um, so, so, So tell people where they can find your record because it's on Spotify now, right?
2: Yep. It's anywhere you you can stream music online. So Spotify, Apple Music, uh, like Google, Amazon. Um, It's also on Bandcamp if uh, people want the downloads, like the high-res downloads. Um, And I also have um, like vinyl and hard copies of the CD available through Bandcamp.
0: Oh, very cool. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, um, Haley, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode.
2: So I'd like to revisit uh, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan
0: Stevens. Okay. Uh, Any other records that you were thinking about uh, chatting about?
2: Um, I did think of doing um, Judy Sills' self-titled album. Okay. Are you familiar with Judy Sill at all?
0: I am not. I am not.
2: Well, for next time, we can we can look at that one.
0: Yeah, tell tell me what tell me who Judy is.
2: So she uh, was a folk singer in the seventies. Graham Nash actually produced her record, her self titled record.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she only had like one or two records and then she just kind of disappeared, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So she's kind of a tragic figure, Um, a musical savant who's got a really strange combination of influences, including like Baroque music and gospel music. And she was like big into the psychedelic scene. So a lot of her lyrics are very like psychedelic, LSD-informed, traveling through the cosmos type weirdness. But with like, gospel piano and like baroque riffs and full orchestra arrangements it's really bizarre but very beautiful in my opinion
0: and she died young of drug addiction correct
2: yeah i think she was Was mid-30s yep Yeah, yeah 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 um but she was a studio bassist in la and was just this kind of yeah like a like really really skilled player so I'm glad I'm really grateful that she was able to keep it together for us to sort of remember her with her songs.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so Karen Lowell. So, so pronounce pronounce uh is it it's is it Sufyan? Yes. Yeah.
4: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. All right. So I I've, I've been probably saying it incorrectly for years. Um, <laughs> and uh so this is his th- this was kind of surprising. This was his seventh studio album. Yes. Um, I didn't realize that he had put so many out. And he's put out, what, two or three since this particular record. Yes. Uh, this, this came out in March of
3: 2015.
0: Yep. And uh, came out on Asthmatic Kitty, which that's his label, correct? His label.
2: Correct. Yep.
0: Yeah, uh, His name comes from the leader of a spiritual sect that I guess his parents belonged to. Yeah, uh, which would explain the uh, the very interesting interesting name, um, and I I have to admit I don't think that I ever listened to this record. I so a little background. So I used to write reviews for for music back in the early two thousands, and it was right on right about the time that come on feel the Illinois. Yep, um, came out which was yep. what o three o four or something like that. Yep, and um, I have to admit that there were a couple writers of the the website that uh, that I wrote for who were really insufferable hipsters that <laughs> I just didn't really like that much. Yep, um, and they absolutely love Sufjan. And and um, they were all about the Arcade Fire and Sufjan. And I'm trying to remember what the other bands that they really loved and kept trying to ram down our throats. And we're like, look, that's your space, man. Like, enjoy your space. It's cool. But just because we don't like it doesn't mean we're not cool like you. But that's I don't know.
2: I had I not been thirteen when his first album came out, and I was just oblivious to the culture around it. Um, my my sister in law, my older brother's uh, wife, introduced me to Sufjan. I think when I was a sophomore in high school, and I was studying like music theory and kind of going deep into that world. Um, and it was like his music was just unlike anything that i had ever heard and it mm-hmm. was really and it kind of like i was studying a lot of classical music and there's a lot of motifs in there that i i just found really interesting but had i been in your position and had the the messenger been of that kind i probably would have had a similar reaction
0: <laughs> yeah and i remember so i remember having the conversation so because we had you know our own internal message board that we could go back and forth of here here are the records that i'm going to review for this month blah 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 and i remember going back and forth with one of the fans and i was like look i i get it i don't i'm not into it like it it if you want this kind of sound, um, I'm cool with Nick Drake. Nick Drake is my guy with this Ooh, kind yeah. of sound, yeah. and and the response was, "Who the hell is Nick Drake?" And I'm like, what? "Okay, w- okay, we're done. We're done with this conversation right now."
2: Yeah. yeah. Shame on them. Shame exactly, on them.
0: Exactly. So yeah. so so. Anyway, so. I'm sure there are many fans out there of Sufjan that are not insufferable hipsters like the people I dealt with. But that was my introduction to him. So yeah. I've kind of had this, I'm going to stay away from him just because of that. I don't know. Wayne. Am I, am, yeah. Am I am I off base with this?
1: I don't think so. I, I never got around to listening to him. I, and I don't know why I was associated with Jack Johnson. I, I don't have any idea. The connection there but I always associate those two together and I never got around to listening to them until this came up so I, I'm actually glad that happened because after this I will be listening to some more Sufjan oh look at you right.
2: well I what did you think Ben of of listening to Carrie and well now what was what was the contrast like Now and
0: then. I will tell you that it took two or three listens for me to finally get into this. Um I and I did like I did like uh the the Illinois record. I just couldn't admit it to those hipsters. (laughs) You know, I just I just didn't want to admit it. Um, you know, so 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 listening to this, I had to kind of I had to be in a space. Hmm. And I don't know if you guys have other artists where you just have to you have to be in the right frame of mind to listen to it. Like I, I posted this on Twitter a couple of days ago. the f- The first couple times that I listened to Brian Fallon's most recent record, um, I thought, yeah, it's okay. I kind of, I kind of would prefer to just kind of go back to Gaslight Anthem records, mm. and then one morning I'm on my morning walk and I was like you know I'm going to give this one more try and I absolutely fell in love with the record and it just I needed I just needed to be in that frame of mind to listen to that like there's certain artists that it doesn't matter what time of day you put them on. Like I can put Tom Petty on anytime mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm good. Yep. But for certain artists, like, like a Sufjan, you, it, it's something that you kind of have to, it's not background music. That's, it's that's like, funny that
1: you, that's exactly in my notes. Cause I, that's how I was having trouble getting into this. And it was, I was always listening to it in the background. And yeah. then I, then I, I put on my headphones and I took a walk out in this park, not far from my house and it all started. You got to focus on it. It all started, it all came together. Once I, it's definitely very contemplative. You gotta, you gotta think about it and you have to know the backstory at least a little bit or it, or it might seem gloomy, but once you have a little, at least a little bit of a skeleton of the backstory, then it all, it all falls together. And it's a, it's a really great walk in the woods. Uh, record
0: yeah who who wants to share the backstory on that Um, you're the host
2: sure i (laughs) could who who wants to do I i would love to hear you do it
0: uh all right so so here's here's what i've pieced together from um from an interview that i got from pitchfork so um and i don't typically go to pitchfork for for uh research but there was a really good Interview with with Sufyan on, on there. So Carrie and Lowell is actually Carrie is his mom. Lowell is the the one time stepfather, and he definitely combined facts about his mom. I guess she left. She left the kids at a very early age. Um, had some mental illness issues. Moved to Oregon, which, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of the songs that have Oregon references to them. And he, I guess, spent a couple summers out there when he was in his um, early years. I guess the one thing that I I read between the ages of five and eight, he went out there. And so a lot of these uh, memories that are shared in the songs are from that time. Yeah. Did I get that correct.
2: Absolutely, yeah, beautiful.
0: Um, and and I I wanted to 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 read just one of the one of the things from um from from uh, Sufyan from from this uh, from this interview. They asked him about you know what's your relationship with your dad like as a kid since your mom wasn't there, and he said, and so this kind of helps with I think with the headspace of where. Where he's coming at for this particular record. He said, my siblings and I were raised like tenants, to be honest. There was a total absence of intimacy in my family, though there was still a great deal of camaraderie among the kids. Things were set up almost like a business, and it had to be managed that way because we were really poor, and there were a lot of mouths to feed. My dad and stepmom never had real consistent careers. They were just always making ends meet. There are rules and regulations and chores, but very little time for casual enjoyment of each other's company. I don't know if that sort of ideological approach to parenting was intentional, but it's a a little ironic that my closest fatherly companion is Lowell, a man who has no blood relation. And then they said, um, is your dad still alive? Pitchfork asked, is your dad still alive? And, And his response was, yeah, but we're not that close. And he let it go. Like he expounds on all sorts of other questions, but, um, that's all he said. Yeah. So that's, of I think a little bit telling of, of, uh, his headspace of writing some of these songs.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting. I remember years ago, his brother's name is Marzuki. They all have weird names. Yeah. Um, and him and his brother kind of set out to make a documentary about, like, going out to find his father, I think, and to reunite. And there was, like, a a trailer, which was really just, like, them kind of packing their car. And then the documentary never came out,
3: hmm.
2: to my knowledge. I mean, I've I basically – I've followed him for a long time. If it came out, I think I would have – it would have come across my radar, um, although I haven't. We can fact check this stuff. But yeah. – um, I uh, So, yeah, it it seems to me like there's never been, there hasn't been, like, any, like, reparations or, you know, um, seems he had a pretty tragic childhood.
0: And I think that that tragedy and the pain definitely comes out in his music.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Any other background info we want to share before we jump to the track by tracks?
2: Yeah, I... I'll share just a little bit, because I saw him live when he was touring this record. Um, and he's kind of told more stories live about sort of the experiences that sort of led to creating this record. And basically, his he was estranged from his mother, um, but his mother never, she was, when she was on, she was really on. When she was connected, she was really connected So it was just that when she wasn't able to connect, it's like she couldn't be a parent at all. Um, And so he has a lot of really warm memories and a lot of um, idealism around his mom that he's had to reckon with. So yeah, he had a lot of idealism around her because the experiences that he had with her, albeit few were really profound and connected. And um, she, she ended up getting sick and he found out she was in the hospital and was like, basically had been estranged from her for quite some time for the majority of his life. And, um, he was caring for her while she was in the hospital, this person who wasn't available for him. And obviously there's a lot of, um, difficulty with that. But basically what he explained is that when she passed away, it almost felt like she, he was with her, I think in the moment that she died and he felt like her agony was like transferred over to him. Like, and he went mm. on a bender, like basically for the first time in his life as an adult started, you know, drinking too much and experimenting with lots of drugs and sort of slipping into like addict patterns. And, um, and then so through, it's Im-
0: similar to what she experienced during exactly. her lifetime. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And this is in his words from, so it's for whatever reason, it's like he started to battle, like, it's almost like her demons like became real to him too. And then, you know, through therapy and I think writing this album, he sort of came out of that really kind of sort of like a, um, like a cloud of grief, you know, just like sort of took over yeah. him. And, and this song, this album he wrote to sort of heal and to kind of make sense of his memories. And the reason why I find it so precious as an album is because it's the first time he's ever directly, um, autobiographical, um, in his writing that I've really heard. I think in a lot of his other music, there's a lot of distance and he writes as sort of a detached narrator telling other people's stories. Um, and so like serial killers, yeah, like John Wayne Casey.
0: <laughs> right, um, right.
2: As opposed to kind of the confessional style that we get for this album. And so it was like this artist that I've admired for a really long time to sort of get an actual glimpse into the honesty of real-time emotional processing was a real treasure for me as a fan. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So as a reminder, our scores are based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 11. Which means our top song is going to get 11 points next favorite 10 points on down to low score of one so we're going to kick this off here's first track which is death with dig dindy
4: Spirit of my side. There's a forest and an acre before us But I don't know where to begin But I don't know where to begin Again, I lost my strength completely
0: Wayne, we chatted briefly about this record earlier this week, and I think this song kind of sums up that conversation where, you know, you said, um, look, this song is about you live and then you die and everyone dies.
1: Yeah. And he actually says that, I think, in another song I, I, I wrote that down. But yeah. what I love about this one, it's, uh, it's very poetic. Uh, I The one that stuck out to me a lot was the uh, – Somewhere in the desert, there's a forest and an acre before us, like that your life is that little short piece between this, you know, infinite expanse, this desert, and then this forest. I thought that was uh, just just great. And then the line about the uh, tired old mare with the wind in her hair, like his mom in a better place. And I know there was substance abuse, and every time someone references a horse, I assume heroin. So. Mm. That's all on me though. I don't have anything to back that up. <laughs> she could just yeah. like she could have just liked horses when
0: she was alive. Right. Right. Haley, what do you got on this song?
2: I I love what you brought up about th- like the somewhere in the desert there's a forest as that being like a metaphor, like there's infinite unknowable like infinite unknowability all around this existence and we all know that it's finite and we're all pretend that it's not, (laughs) you know, it's, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. It's one of the reasons why um, I love this record so much is because it's honest about death. Um, And that being like the context for our life.
0: Yeah. I think this is, uh, this is definitely where he has that realization. Like I, I had this realization, I don't know, five or six years ago where I realized that I was going to more funerals than I was weddings. Mm. And that's, that was not where I wanted to be in life. I, I loved, I loved being 20 years ago where you would go to more weddings and celebrate life as opposed to, um, you know, I'm going to more funerals where you're trying to celebrate life, the life that that person led. But at the end of the day, you're still burying that person. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the long ending, there's like 40 seconds of atmospheric outro. Um, I thought that this was an interesting uh, bookend because the, the, the last song, as we get to that, there's, there's a really long outro uh, for that. So I thought that that was just from a sequential standpoint, that was uh that was pretty cool. So.
2: Yeah. And the melody in that the on the pedal steel is like one of my favorite motifs on the record. And I like how it repeats.
1: It has a real opening hymn kind of number. I mean, it really has this, Mm -hmm. it's a, musically it's a little more, it's got a little more in it than a lot of these are very sparse. Some of them are just a finger picked acoustic guitar and this one has there's a piano there's some some background vocals there's i think two guitars but it definitely had a very kind of opening hymn like something that the first song you would play at a wake even you know it it was very appropriate musically yeah
2: and i love i love the softness and the tones to like the classical guitar picking and how and it's a lot of major chords and a lot of just like it's almost like he's creating like a soft place to hold like really intense emotion to kind of make the delivery a little bit more bearable.
0: Right. Right. Totally see that. All right. Let's get some scores on this. Uh, Wayne, your score. Uh, seven. And then Haley. 10. And this is my seven as well. Uh, next song should have known better and not to be confused with the Richard Mark song by the same name. (laughs) Not anywhere close. This was the second single from the record uh, released in March of 2015. Um, the one thing that I didn't mention while we were doing the uh, the, the background info, so this sold pretty well. Uh, this was uh, this was number ten on the Billboard 200 album chart uh, the first week that it came out. So, um, and and I'm actually really maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised at how many millions of streams, uh, he has uh, of this record on Spotify. And I'm going to talk about that here in a a couple, uh, in a couple songs. Um, Haley, what, what, what do you, what do you love about should have known better?
2: Um, I like how it begins with sort of like minor raking chords and there's, I mean, it's just a song that it's a lot of regret. um, And a lot of, like, shame, almost, like, trying to, like, um, looking back over his actions and criticizing them, like, I should have known better, Um, I should have wrote a letter, I should have done this, I should have done that. And then interspersed with memories of, you know, I assume she left us at that video store when I was three, three, maybe four, kind of like the first bits of, like, um, the introduction of, of childhood memories to the album. And, But my favorite part is the break that happens halfway through the song where that first motif ends and it's really – it's hard and then it switches tempo and switches tones and the melodies take on like this really sort of joyful relief. And I just – listening to this record, I remember the first time I heard it, it came out when I was like basically on spring break in Puerto Rico and I was laying on a hammock in the middle of the night with headphones and this part of the song gave me like uh, euphoria. It was just – I just found it so beautiful um, and it sort of seems to halo um, the, the things in life that he could um, hold on to or use as a source of hope. Okay. Um, talking about his niece and, and just trying to remember to stay anchored and to stay here.
0: I I love that whole section, um, where it it definitely is more lighter fare. Um, and to kind of quote your song from, from earlier Haley, I think that that's kind of where he finds the strength that was there inside him all along. Mm,
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, Wayne, what do you what do you got on this song?
1: And, I, and like I say, I've said before, I I mean, good songwriters, you know, tell a story, and then great songwriters, I feel like they tell your story. And my mom didn't leave me at a video store, I want to make that clear. But she abandoned me. It was more of an emotional thing. I had a lot more responsibility. So I I this really like hit home. And the thing that the black shroud is the part that I thought was so cool cuz remember when you're a kid and you think that if you can't see anything then nobody can see you and so that that black shr- that shroud that he that that's that keeps you know kind of protects him and but a is something you put over the face of a dead person so it's it's got all this great um imagery in it, but I do. And I couldn't, and I guess I did, I should have paid better attention because I, I love that part where it shifts and it gets a little more digital, but it makes, it does make it feel brighter and happier. And I I think that's right around when he's talking about his niece and like say the birth of a child is such like, even for everybody. I mean, I I had kids really young, but even at that, it's still this, this sense of, you know, um, renewal, like this person has, nothing bad has ever happened to them. And and they have all this hope and you have all this hope for them. And so there's just like so much in this song that just like, just like got to me inside.
0: Yeah. The line of the, my brother had a daughter, the beauty that she brings illumination. Yeah, it's great. Um, All right. Let's get, let's get some scores on this. Um, Haley.
2: This one's my favorite on the record. I gave it an eleven.
0: Wayne, ah, same here. Uh, this is my top score as well. Doesn't happen often where we all agree on top score, but uh, yeah, this is this is the standout on this record for me. So,
2: yeah, and I think that contrast, I think, is what really makes
3: it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. All right, next song is "All of Me" wants "All of You." So let me just get some of the background info uh, out of the way here. So, uh, the line of found myself on Spencer's butte. So that's the Southern edge of Eugene, Oregon elevation of 2058 feet. And if you want some pretty sights, go check out the photos on Google. All right. Uh, we'll get to Eugene and a couple other songs. So, um, uh, this wasn't one of my favorites. Um, I don't know i i didn't connect with this song uh Haley, what do you got on this one
2: um this one's also a low scoring song for me um i i like this whole record as a unit so even if a song has a low score i it's not that i don't think it should be on the record but it's it's not one i think it's a difficult one to listen to um it's it has some sort of just like it's there's a lot of pain in it, and there isn't that relief like there is in Should Have Known Better. Um, and also, it's it doesn't have a lot to just dis- like it's pretty simple in its in its instrumentation. Um, so there's not a lot to kind of like musically support it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's one of the few times I feel like he really does this on this record. It's just a sad song that sounds sad, has sad lyrics, and it's sad.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Um, so yeah um I'd love to hear your thoughts on it
1: well it was kind of middle of the pack I liked i I didn't I definitely um I love the line about trace your shadow with my shoe and the empty yeah. outline changed my view like her not being there or, or or even at some point I guess I when I looked at it as that point when you look at your parent and you don't you no longer respect them or or hold them any with any kind of reverence it just that's what that image. Uh, came to, but the, the reference, the reason that I, I guess I, and I wished I had caught the, uh, the Manalik reference and looked it up because apparently there's a play. He's a character. That's a shepherd in a play called Martyr of the lowlands. And so that first verse correlates to that, but I don't know anything about the play. So I feel like he may have, you know, blown my mind if I knew Martyr of the lowlands better. (coughs)
2: I had the same experience where I looked that up, saw that it was part of a play, but then didn't figure out what the play was about, really.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I've got I've got all over my notes of I don't know what this means. I don't understand this lyric. There's gotta be a deeper meaning to it. And I so I just kind of passed off that lyric of that's probably one of those.
1: And I and I read something and it's so yeah, I read somebody break that down just briefly, but it's like um that it's set in Argentina or something. So anyway, but the, he's, he, he, Marta is, you know, ignoring him. She's mm-hmm. she, it, metaphorically checking her texts while he's, he's masturbating. He, he's really into her. So um, it, it does, uh, if you know the play, apparently it would all make sense from there, which like I say, the whole thing could have may may have even been more interesting if I had, if I'd had time to do more research.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think this is a song about him idealizing his mother, but sort of like reckoning with the moments where he, where there was like a crack in that idea. Like there's this person that I'm obsessed with, I think is so beautiful, but is absent and not capable of being present emotionally or physically in any way. Um, And the, the outline with your shoe is perfect for that. Um, empty outline changed my view. Now all of me thinks less of you.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, this is my two Wayne. Uh, five. And then Haley,
2: this is my one.
0: Okay. Next song is drawn to the blood. And this was another one where I I didn't understand a lot of the the lyrics to this um, head of a rabbit. What what does yeah. that mean?
1: It always makes me think of Donny Darko, and I <laughs> Donnie Darko
0: makes no sense. <laughs> All right, so this this song makes no sense. Then is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, and that's like that's basically I, lyrically I couldn't follow, but ultimately it's the the it's the finger to the chalkboard guitar strum that, that okay. hurt me, hurt, hurt a lot more than that. Um, I thought Flight of the One-Winged Dove um, was great, but then, yeah, the, the head of the rabbit, just, I can say, it reminds me of Donnie Darko.
2: I feel like I didn't, um, the song, the images in it, I didn't feel the need to figure out what they meant, like in a one-to-one ratio type thing. But um, the essence of it, I think, is captured in the... Uh, for my prayer has always been love. What did I do to deserve this? Um, I think it's, you know, and there's biblical imagery in there. A lot of, a lot of sort of pleading with, with uh, the powers that be, like I, I've always tried to be good and yet I'm stuck with this grief and I, it's really painful. And um, so I think that, that one line in it that, And the melody that he sings when he plays the For My Prayer Has Always Been Love is a really special moment on the record for me. Um, But, yeah, it's another bummer for sure.
0: Remember how I said I went through another rabbit hole? So after I listened to this song and the line of what did I do to deserve this, Um, yeah, I I listened to Pet Shop Boys after this. (laughs) Nice. So... Sorry, that's again. It's my adult ADD coming out. Um, what do you guys think about the really long outro uh, on this song?
1: Not, not a fan.
0: Yeah, it. Th- th- like I said, there's there's a couple songs that have the long outros that did work for me. This was one that um, I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel like I totally needed it, and I guess I was waiting for it to merge into the next song and it didn't really merge into the next song. So I don't know. I thought it was, thought it was interesting. I don't know if he maybe changed around some of the sequencing of, of the songs, but um, this was the one spot in the album where I felt like the sequencing from this song to the next song was a little, a little interesting for for me. But anyways,
2: see, I think I, I like the way that the like sort of dark and chaotic outro leads to Eugene, Okay. Which is has so much kind of it has such a bright quality to it i feel like to me the contrast did something similar like that would happened within uh i should have known better
0: okay all right uh let's get some scores on this so Haley,
2: i gave this one a six
0: okay and wayne two and this was my five and that leads us to eugene Uh, where he said Emerald Park is that's that the minor in Lane league county is that no the, I is looked that... it up
1: it's it's a neighborhood in Lane County which is the same county that Spencer's Butte is in
0: okay mm-hmm. alright I was just curious because uh, the minor league team that's there in Eugene is called the Eugene Emeralds so I was curious if maybe that was a baseball <laughs> stadium reference but alright um and then the line, of course, where he says, "The man who taught me to swim, he couldn't quite say my first name." Um, I feel you because I've been saying your name wrong for <laughs> you know fifteen years.
3: So, <laughs> I
2: feel like there's this is like the little bit of humor too. Yeah. he called me Subaru.
0: <laughs> right, right. There yeah. is a little bit of humor in this in this particular one. So
1: and, and so, I'm I'm trying to. Is this uh, is this about LOL? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think so. That's, I think that's, so.
1: That's the way I took it. Was the trips to Oregon, whereas to see his mom, I mean, Lowell got his name in the in the title. I, I had to I had to figure there was some sort of reference to him, but he does speak of him very fondly. I mean, the 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 you know teaching him to swim. It reminded me of how my my dad was around my kids like he it had a grandpa feel to it like this person who loves you and gives you nicknames and, and and teaches you things and and i say i love the line about uh was it i get lost in the your arm the one you hide your you know some part of me was lost in your sleeve you your where cigarette. you hid your cigarettes like that always reminds me like how my dad used to roll them up in his t-shirt sleeve but uh just that that sense of of uh, being loved like you could you can you can get that from this song like this he felt like this person truly cared about him
0: yeah Haley, what do you got on this song
2: yeah i i love the affection that's in this um and just like the longing uh, and i just want to be near you um and just like kind of like that craving for intimacy it does seem met by his stepfather Um, and yeah, I like the humor in it. I like the, the brightness in the production. Um, and the way that like, it's, it's sort of like a, for me, I can just see like light, like late afternoon light coming down through like green over like a pond. Um, it kind of brings me back to the pond where I learned how to swim. Um, that's sort of where I set it in my head
3: and,
2: and just somebody who seems strong and stable and. Like, doesn't quite understand him, does, can't quite say his name, but he's, like, he's there. He's present.
0: Right. Uh, this is a shortest song at 2 minutes 27 seconds. I didn't mention that uh, earlier. And I think it wraps up really nicely the, the, the last lyrics of this, of what's the point of singing songs if they'll never even hear you? Hmm. Yeah, I
1: think words. even the line That's before right. that, it all all together, you know, the whole, now I'm drunk and afraid, wishing the world would go away. What's yeah. the point of singing songs if no one's going to hear you? Because this, towards the end of it, you can see that he's, um, he's de- is, and I don't know if Lowell is dead, but in this song, it definitely makes it seem as if Lowell has passed away. And maybe all this other, you know, dealing with the death of his mom is getting him to deal with that death, too, because it sounds like. No, Lowell's.
0: Lowell's still around. Lowell actually uh, it helps out with uh, with his label. Oh.
2: Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. I just yeah. took from that. That's why I guess that's the way I took that verse. But also there's a uh, the falcon because birds are mentioned
0: a lot. A lot. Yeah. Next song talks about a hawk as well. So And a dove, yeah. I think, in that one too.
1: And yeah. a loon, I think. Oh, yeah. A, if I'm yeah. thinking of the next song. Yeah I, oh, forgot
0: yeah. About the, yeah, I forgot about the loon Alright, um, we're getting ahead of ourselves Let's get some scores uh, This is my 8, Haley. I uh, 7 And then Wayne 8 also Alright, so next song is 4th of July
4: Sitting at the bed with a halo at your head Was it all a disguise Like junior high Everything was fiction, future, and prediction. Now, where am I, my fading supply? Did you get enough love, my little dove? Why do you cry? And I'm sorry I left, but it was for the best. Though
0: it never nice little narration on this. uh Did anybody, was, was anybody able to figure out what the Tillamook burn was?
2: Um, no.
0: Yeah, it's an Oregon reference. sounds like,
2: yeah, I knew Tillamook was Oregon, so I didn't investigate that further.
0: Yeah. I only know Tillamook cheese. That's the only thing I know. And I don't Mm -hmm. think he's talking about burning himself on a grilled cheese, you know?
1: Yeah. I figured 4th of July, it was some sort of reference to, I don't know, maybe there was a fire. Um, I just, I just took it as an Oregon reference. Um, I really loved the, cause I really like this song and I, I've always liked for, I, I used to love 4th of July much more, I guess. Um, than I, than I do now, not that I don't enjoy the day, but, um, the, what was it? Uh, how did he say it? If I could be the sky on the 4th of July, mm-hmm. oh, could I be the sky on the 4th of July? Just like, the sky is what makes it all, you know, come to life. I mean, it's that backdrop of all those fireworks and all that, all that excitement just to be just that it was just a great line. Some of this stuff is very poetic, um, but I love how in this one, it feels like he changes perspective. I mean, there's verses that are him. And then I feel like there's verses that are his mother, like from his mother's perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I like can,
0: that. I can see that.
1: Cause the I, one, well, I, the one is my little Hawk. Like she's talking to him about the, the Tillamook McBurn. Like where, where do you, uh, well, you do enough talk, my little Hawk. Why do you cry? Um, you know, we're all going to die. And then the next one sitting on the bed with your, with the halo at your head, that's clearly him looking at her. And then the last line about the hospital asking him, do you want us? Do you want to see the body before we do anything with it? But there's, uh, yeah, there was at least a couple of them that I thought were definitely from her perspective to him.
2: Yeah. I've never had that clarity, but now that I'm reading the lyrics, I think you're absolutely right. And that makes me, uh, I ranked the song high and I didn't even fully understand even what perspective it was from.
1: That's
0: why I keep weighing around. <laughs> I'm barely hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Uh, so uh, I was going to give you crap. I'm like, so do you not like Fourth of July because you hate America, Wayne?
1: No, no, I love, I, I just, okay. I used right. to absolutely, I mean, as a kid, you love it because you get to blow things up. And then as I got older, my friends and I, my, my best friend would always have a big 4th of July party. And you know what? It may have been right after I cra- I, I, horrifically crashed a motorcycle on 4th of July that I, that maybe oh, it yeah. turned, maybe that was where it turned. But I love America just as much today as I ever have.
0: Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. The, uh, the, the, I wanted to ask you guys. So the last line of this is we're all going to die. I, m- I mentioned that once before. And my notes are, is this statement a downer statement or is this a call to action? Like, do we just live in love because we have limited time or do we go after it and live in love because we have limited time? Does that ma- even make any sense?
3: Ha. Huh. Hmm.
2: I mean, so this song, it definitely stuck for me from the live performance because they made the outro to this song really long um, live and kept repeating, we're all going to die. And it started with the lights all on the stage. And then they started growing in intensity and tempo. And the lights started shining on the audience like a spotlight. Oh. Very rapidly. And then it grew into this crescendo until we were all basically covered in light. Like, none of us are exempt from dying. So to me, I think it's, I don't know if he is, it seems like in this song he's in too much of a, he's too in it to say whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or what, what, sh- what we should even do about it. It's more just coming to terms with mortality just in general.
1: Yeah, yeah that's how I took it was a factual statement. Just okay. this is, this is the facts.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a fact. We're all gonna die. Um so there is a YouTube performance of him in concert, uh doing the whole the whole record. I only watched a couple songs of that, so I wonder if that effect, Haley, that you mentioned is in that video. Now I gotta go Ooh, now I gotta yeah. go check that out. All right. Yeah. Um scores for Fourth of July, Wayne. A tenth. Even though he hates America. All right, <laughs> Haley, your score.
2: I give this one an eight.
0: All right, and this is my 10. All right, so next song is The Only Thing. I live with you, the ghost.
4: Should I tear my eyes out now Everything I see returns to you somehow I tear my heart out now? Everything I feel returns to you somehow mm-hmm.
0: I, wanna save you I mentioned before about number of Spotify listens. How many how many listens do you think this song has on Spotify? A little trivia. Wayne, how many do you think? Oh, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Give me a guess. 5,000. All right. Haley.
2: Oh, I'd say like, this is just a number, but he does have a lot of plays in Spotify. 250,000.
0: Um, so his, his most listened to song on Spotify has 152 million, million. listens. Right. And that is Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name soundtrack this is second at 82.8 million
2: wow
0: really and i don't know if it got on a soundtrack of some sort or a placement but um i was floored when i saw that that just seemed like oh my gosh really awesome great good good on you man Still, only buy you a couple soy almond lattes, though. <laughs> uh, considering how much right. Spotify gives you, um, so my only note on this is: I feel like I've already heard the song.
1: Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I wrote. That this it scores middle of the road because I, it feels musically and vocally
0: fami- familiar, which not not a bad thing. It's just <laughs> I feel like I've heard yeah. it, and and going back to you know the whole theme of the record um i just didn't think that sonically there was anything too spectacular about this song because i feel like i've already heard it but um i may be completely wrong so Haley, i know that you gave this a, a much higher score than than i did so what is it about the only thing that you you like
2: i agree with you that i feel like this song is very like on theme with the rest of the record And perhaps it's because in a lot of Sufjan's records, he kind of does that theme and variation thing Mm -hmm. where he kind of reinvents a similar uh, melody. And he does that quite a bit in this record too, which I personally like just because it makes it feel like a unified work. Um, And I, I think the thing about this song is that the lyrics are so visceral that they stick with you. I mean, the only thing that keeps me from driving this car, half light jackknife yeah. into the canyon at night. And it's it's basically like, and it's signs and wonders that he's clinging onto. So like little synchronicities, tiny little bits of maybe there's some kind of meaning here that feels like he's trying to invent in order to keep himself alive. Um, I think it's, it's very visceral. Um, so the lyrics sort of uh, really stick with me.
0: Yeah. I do like, I do like some of the lyrics, um, you know, the refrain of, should I tear my eyes out now before I see too much? And should I tear Mm. my arms out now? I want to feel your touch. Uh, Those are, those are beautiful lines.
2: Yeah. And there's something, it sort of reminds me of biblical imagery. Like it's better to, uh, have like, it's better to not have eyesight than to lay eyes on somebody or, you know, like, I don't know if you'd guys are familiar with biblical Mm -hmm.
3: passages.
2: (laughs) Um, So that one is, it reminds me of something in the new Testament where it says it's, it's better to not have, it's better to cut your arm off than it is to steal or, you know, that kind of, I don't know if it's exactly that. So it's, it's, he's trying to live in this sacred way and it's like, do I need to tear my eyes out? Because he's wrestling with the idea that your sin is what correlates to having a bad a difficult experience. Right. And he, he seemed to cling to faith as like, he was the only one in his family who was really interested in Christianity. He would lead his whole family in prayer and they would all do it. Like, really this like eight, like 15 year old is leading us in prayer right now. <laughs> I guess we'll do it. All religions are equal. was sort of the way he was raised. Yeah. So I don't know. I think maybe faith was something that made him think that his life would have some sense of safety or to save him from some sort of sorrow. And then to be in this sorrow and wonder what his faith means in that.
0: Very cool. I feel bad about my score. Um, Now, now that you've explained that to me, uh, this is is my four Wayne. Uh, Six. And then Haley.
2: Uh, I gave this one a nine. Okay. I think, right. Yep. Yep.
0: All right. That leads us to Carrie and Lowell, which is the title track. Thank you. So I I have to just my my only notes on here, and this is the the reason why this is my lowest score is there's too many lyrics I don't understand on this. I'm sure there is a backstory of this. There's probably some very um, poignant and and very personal meanings to this song, but I just didn't I didn't I didn't get it, and I couldn't put it all together and so it just i didn't connect with this song at all um what do you what do you guys have to say about the title track
1: i i felt the same way as i mean as far as this this has a different i feel like a different style like he doesn't kind of like more previously it's more full sentences kind of structure and this one is kind of you know a lot of places it's just like words like just partial sentences just real quick ideas. And so it did, uh, it, it, and the imagery is extremely dark. Um, I mean this, there's clearly some sort of, uh, uh abuse that he's re, that he's recounting. Um, and so it's, that I guess twisting it's my arm and breaking my arm. Yeah. The, the breaking of the arm yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like it's almost like, um, recollecting trauma when your memories aren't, aren't all there. Um, because you, you can't, a lot of times people's trauma, your brain prevents you from having complete memories of what exactly happened. And so I think when his mom died, a lot of things were coming up almost like in like this liminal space, almost like a dreamlike quality.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's more like you can tell the fragrance of a memory without really knowing what happened. Um, so that's, and I, I ranked this song, I think it's lowest on my score, um, as well. Because I I find it difficult to connect to, um, but from a I can see how sort of a stream of consciousness, like disjunct language, uh, is is one approach to sort of processing trauma.
0: All right, uh, Wayne, what's your score on this one?
1: A three. I thought it was important, but I just was down on my list.
0: Okay, and this is my lowest score. in Haley, uh, two. Okay, next song is John, my beloved. song Uh, this is the second longest song on the record at five minutes and five seconds. Only should have known better is longer at five minutes and eight seconds. Um, this was another one that I didn't fully grasp the lyrics to, but um, you know, with my religious background, uh, I kind of got it a little bit. Um, and I probably scored it a little bit higher than you guys just because. Um, I don't know. It, it, I connected to this, this one a little, little bit more than I think based off of scores, uh, looking at your guys' scores. Wayne, what do you got on John, my beloved?
1: Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I, this came across to me as like, uh, like when your, your mother is seeing somebody and that becomes more important than, than you. That's There were lines in there about, uh, was the one beloved John is his, Oh, I got that as his brother. But, um, he said something about the white feathered hair and f- being from long Island. this, this being, you know, go follow your gem, your white feathered friend. I just, uh, I took it from a different angle that okay. was personal and painful.
0: I looked at it from the religious connotation. So John, John, the beloved, is one of Christ's apostles. And in some religion, John is either known as the only apostle who didn't die of, of being martyred. He essentially died of natural causes, whether that was on you know the Isle of Patmos where Book of Revelation is or whatever. Um, but then there's some religions that even have said that John the Beloved is still never did die. So Mm. that he's, he's a little bit immortal. And so just looking at from that connotation of trying to put this all together where, you know, he keeps bringing up the before my history ends or before the mystery ends that there is that mystery of John, the beloved that I don't know. I think he's trying to grasp of, the immortality of his mom is living it and then you die or is there a hereafter? And I think that that's, that's kind of how I was trying to put this particular song together. Again, I would, I would really love to pick his brain, Sufyan's brain and figure out where, um, where all the lyrics are are coming from. But anyways,
1: It's just weird how you, I could say, I, I spun it this whole different way, but it was all based on personal experience. Like sure. I don't, I don't have a huge religious background. So I just find, but that it's fascinating to me is like, now that you're saying that I'm looking at it and I could, I definitely, I see what you're taking, but I remember listening to it and hearing things and, and, and reading some of it and feeling and having it feel really personal. And I just, like, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like I'm fascinated by that. Anyways,
2: yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you in that I, I came at it from a personal perspective as well in the sense of like the line in particular, uh, beloved of John, I get it all wrong. I read you for some kind of poem covered in lines, the fossil I find, have they no life of their own? So that in particular is like I I thought that there was meaning to this. I thought that there was some sort of symmetry to the way that life works out like some sort of like, you know, the uh, action and reaction. I sow good seeds. I bear good fruit, but I, it's, it doesn't seem to be that way right now. Um, And sort of wondering, it seems to me like he's wrestling with doubt, but the inevitable conclusion is like, even if I, I don't see how things there's any uh, direct meaning, like, the same, they're similar in the, even if this isn't a poem where there's, where there's meaning, there is also like the need that he ends with Jesus. I need you be near me. Come shield me from fossils that fall on my head. There's still like a, I'm going to, maybe faith is a crutch, but I need it. So is that so bad?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And I, the, the, um, the, the verse before that, um, you know, you, you brought up the Jesus, I need you, be, be near me, is I also took it from a, a, a Jesus standpoint of if history speaks the kiss on my cheek, you know, I, I viewed that as the, you know, the betrayal of Judas, where there remains but a mark, which, mm. you know, after he was betrayed and, you know, after resurrection, guess what? There are some marks, so, um, so yeah, I took it from the religious connotation. Probably not what Sufyan had in mind, but that's where that's where I took it. So, um, all right, let's get some scores on this, Haley. What do you got?
3: This
2: one, I gave a three, and
0: then Wayne, a four. All right, and this was my nine. So next song, "No Shade in the Shadow of the Cross." And this was the lead single from the record. So this came out uh, prior to uh, the record coming out. Um, this is an interesting one because I read, I read from, um, and I don't know where I picked this up from. Um, it said, uh, uh, consider the three elements of this song. It's his voice, his acoustic guitar, guitar, and some white noise underneath. The last one is important. The white noise is not an affected tape hiss, but rather the fan of an air conditioner running on high, blasting into his apartment.
2: Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah.
0: Um, So that's why it it definitely sounds more, I wrote down earthy. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right word.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like it very, like, uh um, Stripped back, like yes. low production, very honest.
0: Yep, exactly, and that's yeah. that's that's where I that's where I got that. Um, Wayne, you like this a little bit more than than me. How come?
1: I think because uh, number one, I took this one from the perspective of his mother, like on her deathbed, maybe, and then that the idea that no shade in the shadow of the cross, that you know, that I'm sure when you you know I've see when people are near the end and there's a lot of people talking religion and, 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 you know, telling you about Jesus in the afterlife. And then yet that I got to believe for a lot of people at that moment, that's little, that's still going to be just as scary. So the idea that there's no shade, that's a, it's a beautiful turn of phrase, you know, no, no shade in the shadow of the cross. Like you're still, you're still going to die. And it's, it's still for me, at least would be, I would be scared just like the, the, the person and the, the protagonist in the song.
0: Yeah. Haley, what do you got on this one?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I sort of interpret it as, um, my faith isn't shielding me as effectively as I thought it could. Like, oh yeah, and I, I like, there's no shade in the shadow of the cross just cause I'm following a particular belief. Like I'm still in agony that's driving me to addiction and like I, it's too much. Like I can't be present with this pain, you know? Um, and I, I, there's something so evocative about that line. There's no shade in the shadow of the cross. It sounds good. I think it's one of the stronger lines on the album. Um, and it, it's a uh, very adaptable to however the interpreter might perceive it, but you know, it means something. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Um, Wayne, your score. Uh, nine. And, um, I thought that this was going to be your highest score. So I was almost Cause right. he used the F word because he used the F word.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, and those three top scores were, were all fairly close, but uh, I, I, I liked, I thought he used it in, in context as far as a person, just like at that, at that moment struggling with like, just, just like the things that Haley just mentioned. Um, and just that, that, that panic and that frustration um he'd use. it it was used I, the one thing that i thought
0: it's used was properly.
1: odd and took away from yeah. the song was the i my assassin like casper the ghost like give me something a little bit scarier maybe uh you know one of the ghosts from a christmas carol or something but casper the ghost <laughs> that's not scary me- i'm not scared of them
2: yeah. But the internal rhyme is so good. My assassin, <laughs> like Casper the ghost, it sounds good. <laughs> it,
0: it does. It really does. All right. Uh, Haley, what's your score?
2: I give this one a five. All right.
0: And this is my three. And then uh, we're going to wrap this up with Blue Bucket of Gold.
4: Touch me with lightning. Raise your-
0: What do you guys have to say about this? I think I like this this song a little bit more than you, Wayne. Um, I like the long outro, and let me tell you the reason why. I felt like sonically, he's trying to give the impression or the feeling that you know we've been talking about life and we're talking about death. He kind of gives that feeling of, um, of. The spirit leaving the body, and Ooh. is going off into uh, the the ether and wherever it's going. And I, I just, I really love that effect. I thought that that's what he was kind of going for. Again, I don't know for certain, but that's what I pulled out of this this particular song. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was powerful to me. Wayne, what do you got on yeah. on this?
1: yeah I, and I, I guess that perspective, I, I don't know that it would have helped because I don't I don't dislike the song. Um, but there that that was part of it. Um,
0: the long outro.
1: Yeah, the long outro.
0: Yeah
1: uh, it just I don't know it wasn't a I, it wasn't one of my favorites. I did once again, he always does something in every song that I think is extremely well done. I love the the raise your right hand. Because that's, you know, that's just swearing an oath like they make you do that in court. And then the or raise the red flag, which right. is, you know, all of the I'm sure there were many of red flags uh, from his, in a, you know, in his life uh, pertaining to his mother. So he does some really great things in it. Lyrically, I just I don't know. Something had to be my least favorite.
0: There you go. <laughs> Haley, what do you got on this?
2: I love your interpretation of the outro being like the Ascension sort of moment. Um, I think that's really beautiful. Um, I also love the, the melodies in the outro. Um, Yeah. I don't know. They just, they seem really otherworldly and beautiful. Um, So I, that also is what gave it a high score. Um, That line, like you mentioned, Wayne raise your right hand tell me you want me in your life. So it's like this oath. And then a red flag comes up just when he's feeling secure. Like he can, he feels like they're in this, he and his mother are actually committed to each other again. Then there's another red flag just when I felt safe to let my guard down, just when I want you in my life. So I think it's, that's like a really um, poetic and succinct way to look at that. Um, The way that abandonment can flip so fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is the red flag the death of her, or is it another, another her pushing him away for whatever reason?
2: I, I think it, the way I interpreted it is raise your red flag. Like if you, if you've ever uh, loved an addict and you see that they're yeah. they're slipping into addict behavior again, and you know that they're going to be gone, that you're going to lose them again.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. Wayne, your your score on this.
1: This was my least favorite.
0: Okay. And this was my six. And then Haley? Four. Okay. Um, so this is the point where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I don't think so. All right.
2: I, yeah, I feel I feel satisfied. Did yeah?
0: Did we get it? Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is also the part where I go, any guesses what our number one is, but... Um, I think we already know because we were all collective in our <laughs> yeah. number one. So number one should have known better. Uh, second favorite, Fourth of July, had an average score of nine point three three. We've got Death with with Dignity, the lead track, that was our, our third, fourth, Eugene, and then rounding out our top five is the only thing.
3: Hmm,
2: cool.
0: So that's a pretty cool. solid five, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, it's good. Haley, this was fantastic. Thank it was, you.
2: Of this course, this was
1: great, and I'm like, yeah, definitely going to listen to more of uh,
0: Sufjan.
2: Oh, good. I didn't realize I would be challenging you guys by giving you a Sufjan record, but good. I'm glad I did. <laughs>
0: we, we we've been challenged here uh, the last last several weeks with some records that we're not totally familiar with, so um, it's uh, it's been good. It's yeah. Been good. All right. Um, So I think you already made some plugs uh, as far as where people can find you. Um, So you're, you're on the socials as well. Correct. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, And then uh, one last question. So we uh, lift this question from a fellow podcaster who does the Scotch and good conversation podcast. He asks all of his guests, who do you know that I don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records?
2: Ooh. Um, um do you know Alisa Amador?
0: I don't. She's mm. a
2: good she's a good friend of mine. And uh yeah, um she could be she could be a good candidate. I have lots of friends. She's she just came over earlier this week. So she was fresh on my fresh on my radar, but yeah.
0: All right. Well we'll 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 chat.
3: Cool. Cool cool. All
0: right. Uh so as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for all that. Uh, you can find us on all the socials. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at Podcast Records, I also man the Facebook page. Just look for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on the old Instagram. Where can, where can people find you on Instagram?
1: Records Revisited Podcast.
0: That was pretty easy. All right, then uh, you can find us on all of the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And, of course, on all those platforms, please go subscribe and rate or review us so thank you all for listening please go support the arts I would tell you to go to a live show but you know what the drill is on that so go support your favorite artists and musicians go buy a record go to band camp you know the drill support your favorite musicians we are records Revisited, and we are out Ow.